Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to an actual episode of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, currently having his arm chewed on by a cow dog. And joining us now, Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B, Bobby Blaze. All right, Professor, it's good to be back with you, man. Hey, wrestling fans, thanks for tuning in. Uh, accept my apologies real uh, right off the top of the bat here about last week's programming. Um, it was going to be called Unforeseen Circumstances. I did have something come up in my personal life. Uh, the professor and I did try to record, and it was an embarrassment on my behalf. <laughs> so uh, I just had um, traveled too much and had too much on my mind. I couldn't put my thoughts together, and the ones I put together just weren't weren't worth you all here. And let me just tell you that. But it was by no means on the professor. He did take the time to record it and uh hopefully he has fucking deleted it right now but it sure is good to be back man uh good to hear your voice again professor oh it's and good. i'm in a much better place yeah it's good to talk to you and, and yeah bobby as far as you're concerned it's deleted as far as mm. you need to worry <laughs> okay okay uh, man yeah. yeah so yeah we i mean we tried and it, it didn't work yeah you know, sometimes shit just doesn't work out it's uh right right uh, I'm right. I'm still gonna pride us on a year and a half since we've put the show back together, and we have not missed a Tuesday right. since. Well, that's what we had talked about, and I even tried to do some thirty-second to two-minute promos uh, just to record to send something to you, and I just couldn't even put the thoughts together on that to, oh, that yeah. you could have edited in or something. I just I really just couldn't have put it in there, but it's 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 okay, man. Like I said, uh, much better place now. Um, real quickly, Jeremy, um, you and several others are our listeners that either have my uh, direct number or follow me on Twitter. Um, thanks for reaching out and asking, was I, was I okay or my family in this area okay? The uh, Kentucky, uh, Mayfield, Kentucky was hit very hard by some tornadoes. Uh, that's about close to 400 miles from me. It's down in the western part of Kentucky. So other than us getting some high winds up where I'm at in the eastern part and some rain, I wasn't affected. But, man, um, you know, tornado touched down like six states, and Kentucky was the hardest impact. Um, uh, I think it hit a candle factory. It had like 100 employees in it at the time. Uh, a lot of deaths and a lot of devastation, man. But, again, thanks for reaching out to me and, uh you know, just um, if you are involved in anything with relief, uh, uh, want to help in some way, I'm sure there's all kind of sites out there, GoFundMe's or, or what have you, to help these uh, dispersed families from uh, Kentucky, Arkansas, some of Tennessee, I think Illinois, a couple of Missouri right there in that little area out there. But again, that was in western Kentucky. But thanks. It meant a lot to me to hear from several people. My phone blew up. Uh, like, what the heck, you know? And as I tell professor off the air, uh, I just woke up to a bunch of high, high winds. I was like, well, what the, something's going on out there, but um, it wasn't, you know, thankfully I wasn't near the, the actual, you know, tornado. All, all clear here, man. So, anyway. Well, I am glad to hear you're okay, and I'm sorry to hear about the people that it has affected. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I'm sure if, if you just take a minute to search, you'll be able to come up with many charities that could use help helping yeah. those people right now. Hopefully the yeah. uh, federal government gets off their ass and does something as well. Yeah. FEMA's been down there, and I'm sure, you know, uh, Red Cross, I'm sure, is there, you know. Um, I'm, they've got some relief uh, coming in, from what I understand. And I think um, uh, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, 
they're sending um, some search and rescue people um, up to our area to uh, I think there's you know still several people not uh, being accounted for so I heard that on the news too that they they do have some people coming in for um, to try to reduce some recovery uh, but with that said, let's change it real quickly, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to hang out with your buddy last night, Jock Sampson. Oh, Jesus Christ. Just so you know. Yeah. That's well, fantastic. he asked about you. Now, what, uh, uh, I'm afraid to know what he asked. No, nah, I'm not going to tell you what he asked. I just keep that between me and Jock, you okay, know. Yeah. But uh, FTC had the uh, annual Christmas party, and I've been to several of these. Uh, not the last couple, I guess, due to COVID or whatever, but what we used to do these, and usually pretty nice little turnouts, and had a good time, man. Um, you know, everyone, everyone showed up. It's, it's a good little group of people. And, uh, so yeah, Jock Sampson came in cause you know, he's the champion and, uh, we, you know, some people played some pool, some people played some shuffleboard and, uh, some people had a few beers, you know? So, um, and people karaoke and I found out some people at karaoke. Thankfully I did not. I used to do that. I've done it when I was in Tennessee and, uh, Florida and Canada, and of course I've done it with in, in Japan. It's huge over there, oh, but yeah. um, I <laughs> I only had a couple beers because I had to drive, and I I waited. I don't like that whole deal anyway, so I I even waited like a couple hours before I even left. You know, because I, I stayed there and played an old man's game. I played shuffleboard for a little bit, but um, but yeah, the karaoke part I didn't do it, man. Uh, like I said, a couple beers, and I like that. No, I'm just here to have a good time, watch you all, you know. Yeah, well, and I did have a good time watching, you know. Well, you know what's kind of funny is like here in the states, people actually try to sing well when they do karaoke, whereas in Japan and Korea, that's not the point. Yeah. The point is to be shit-faced yeah. drunk and fuck it up, you know. I just Well, by the end of the night, believe me, that's yeah. what was taking place. Yep. <laughs> and had I not known I, I needed to drive, I may have been right up there with them singing, but no, thank you. But but big shout-out to FTC, and uh, Brock Boulder was there, and the Show Pony was there, and uh, uh, Juan was there, and uh, I'm probably leaving someone out, but uh, uh, Chase Armstrong, Psycho Ward, uh like I said, Jocko, um, yeah, it's a good time, man. You know, just get out of the house for a little bit. Oh, sure. So that was cool. And uh, anyway, you got any more shout outs or anything we need to go before we oh, start? We got a good episode lined up, yeah, I think. I think at least we got a lot of fertile ground to cover, you know. Uh, yeah. Shout yeah. outs. Uh, just, you know, real quick, I'm going to thank the guys over at Robin Slim again. They had me on uh, this week. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Just to. Uh, you know, they're, they're wrapping their show up. And what's funny about them is when I first heard about them, it was from a guest on my show who couldn't stop motherfucking them. And oh, I yeah, thinking, you told me that. Yeah, so when you told me you were going to do their show one time, I was like, uh, I don't know. And then I listened to them like, hey, these guys aren't bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and then I, that's you know, uh, my uh, memory, too. Um, you told me that. You, you, you smartened me up. But I'm going to be on there this Wednesday. I think I've got an 8.30 segment, but I'm not sure. But, yeah, mm-hmm. those guys have been uh, they've been good to you and I. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they cut up and rib and fuck around and stuff. But ever since we've been on it, they you know, they treat us pretty cool, man. Yeah, they so. do. And they, they got an interesting show. It's like you don't know what you're going to get. It could be like an actor or a phone sex operator. Yeah. I mean, you just don't know who's yeah. going to be on there. So it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. It, they they do have a wide variety of shows. I mean, they've got comedians to fucking uh, authors to you know wrestlers. I mean, it's it's oh, a yeah. damn good show. It is. It kind of made uh, me. I like where you can kind of go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say it kind of made me miss doing an interview show. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, we'll have to get you another guest soon, won't we? Maybe. maybe. <laughs> All right, man. So I think we had talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. We we know how we're going to kind of wrap up our year here. And one of them was going to be our special year in IN episodes. And I think we've got a great year this year. A lot of stuff took place in this year. We're going to visit back 1979 as we're going to, man. And uh, we're going to talk uh, uh, movies, sitcoms, uh, music, uh, and then, of course, a lot, a lot of pro wrestling involved. Uh, you know, that's what we're all about, man. Um, but yeah, it should be a really, really good show. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, Jeremy, how do you want to start us off here in 1979? Well, let's, um, let's kind of, we're, we're, we'll set the table a little bit and talk about what was okay. going on in 1979. Um, in 1979, these three were the biggest movies of the year, Rocky II, The Jerk, and the North Dallas 40. Yeah. Now, I remember all these movies. Uh, this this took place, uh, you know, I'm about 15 at the time, just so you know. And, uh, of course, I popped for Rocky II. Loved it. Big fan of Rocky One. The Jerk, uh, that was just so hilarious. I mean, cans he hates cans stay away from the cans you know and, and then uh, uh the sleeper here probably to a lot of people is north dallas 40 and i tell you what there's a really um uh you talk about debauchery and alcohol drug use uh sex um it's about an uh, uh NFL team is kind of a, a satire, if you will, about a, a basically uh, the Cowboys. It could be it just makes us in Dallas, but uh, um, uh, Nick Nolte's in it and uh, Mac Davis and Nick Nolte's kind of the old grizzled veteran in it. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just a really good movie. It's a sleeper on this list. And i tell you one of the ways I got to watch it was um, – Within a few months of it coming out, it was one of those ones they put on HBO, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, my best friend, uh, his family had HBO, and it's one of the ones that looped through, you know, for the weekend. You'd probably start it on a Friday at 6, and then probably, you know, again at 7 in the morning, then at, you know, 9 the next night. You know, used to you know how that. they looped them in. Yeah, they used to do that 11-hour split. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, um, anyway, I was probably too young to be watching that, but what I was going to say is a lot of parallels to professional wrestling, especially, you know, during, more so during the 80s, you know, probably with the drug use and, and just um, the, the partying and, the, you know, the, the women, a um, lot, lot of different stuff in there, you know. Uh, probably couldn't make a movie like that nowadays, to be honest with you, but, it, but if you get a chance, check that movie out. It's called North Dallas 40, man. I, I always liked it. Um, I've seen it probably, I don't know, two or three years ago go um i can't remember if i streamed it or got down to the library or it came on one of the channels you know i get free or one of them pluto channels so i don't know i, I don't know i watched it here recently but um and recent to me two or three years ago you know so well, no i know exactly what yeah. you mean because i do that all the time yeah. now where i think oh yeah that yeah. just happened nope that was five years ago <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly the way it goes, man. You know, and, um, and saying like they they couldn't make it today, even if they did make it, some segment of the population would bitch and complain until the producers made an ending they liked. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, a bunch probably. of fucking man babies out there. There we go. Why don't you dickheads right. stay home and play with your fucking wrestling toys in the basement? <laughs> Oh man! Uh, Sound like you got heat with someone. Well, not, not not someone, just some things. Just that are a happening. generation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, you know All what? right, well, let's, we'll get, go ahead. Oh shit! Hold on, my microphone rolled away there. Uh, 
<laughs> Getting ready to do this episode, it made me wonder about something. You came into your wrestling uh, career in the late 80s going into the 90s, and you were kind of done in the early 2000s besides like being a coach and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could have wrestled during any era, just to pick it out of a hat and you get to go work there, what time period would you have preferred to have been a pro wrestler if it's not the one you worked in? Oh, um, I'd probably jump back to, um, I'd go back to just, just two, two, two different spots for two different reasons. One, I'd go back to about 82 or 83. Mm -hmm. If, if I had gotten into the business at that time, because, you know, you're talking about guys that I eventually got to work with, like the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express and Cornette. And, you know, a lot of those guys are my age, give or take a couple years, you know? So if I, but I was in college at the time and and I don't regret that by, by any means, you know, at all, but I was, I was trying to get in and in it, in it in about 84. Um, and it, just didn't the things didn't pan out the way I wanted them to at that time for a reason but I would honestly this is uh 78 and 79 is when I was like walking by TV and handsome Jimmy was the one calling out Jerry Lawler and um you know I'd been a fan of that program we were on our way to a basketball game and so it would have been the late 70s um you know because I'd watched it but at that point from at least 75 through 79 on to Memphis you know and I'd say if I'd yeah if I could have got on that Memphis uh on that end of it that would could have got that experience of, of what everyone that's went through that territory um, and some of the stars that came out of there. You know, I, I think and uh, I don't know that I would have really cared about, um, you know, this is crazy as it sounds. I don't know that I would have really cared about when Vince was coming through and, and buying up all the talent and going to um, New York. I think I'd have much rather, if, if you could make the make it um and several guys has did it as we know um didn't go to new york and and held out as long as they could on just you know working independent circuit and territories that were left and traveled the world and things so i'd go back and and i assume we're talking about say a four-year period here from like 78 79 to like probably 82 83 ish somewhere in that time period as far as breaking in and and getting to work work um of course it takes about five to seven years to learn to worry work work to be honest with you yeah i'd always heard that it takes about seven years you know uh learn to work i see learn to wrestle learn to work then learn to make money so um that's kind of the path i followed too and somewhere around seven eight um nine years in you start making some money and i know that sounds crazy but it's it's kind of been the formula i've heard and it's kind of one i've seen and been through myself and i i see it today people think someone uh you know is overnight and and they're not they're they're a 10-year overnight success you know right, right. so anyway anyway about that question, yeah, about that time probably. Okay. Uh, the 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 later seventies, early eighties. Yeah, that's that it was it. just a, a question that popped in my head, and I thought it was worth yeah. Asking. That's a good question. Good yeah. question. You know, let's go back to talk a little bit about nineteen seventy nine. Here's some of the TV shows that debuted that year, and we'll talk a little bit about them. The Dukes okay. of Hazard. You know, Catherine okay. Bach, of course, drove many of us through puberty. Uh, yeah, yeah. Buck Rogers, Daisy the Dukes. Tw- oh yeah, Buck Rogers in the twenty fifth century. Had Aaron Gray in it, which if if not Catherine Bach, she alone would have driven me right into puberty. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, Facts of Life, which I think we probably... Talk about all... coming into puberty, the Facts of Life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Heart to Heart, which was um, 
Oh God, I can't think of the guy's name right now. Uh, Robert Conrad would no, 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 no. It's getting no, trained to Natalie uh, Wood. Um, but James. Yeah, I should have looked it up ahead of time because I was going to make a crack about him murdering his wife, but we better just let that go now. Wait, who what? No, what? Richard, Richard not... Wagner? Robert Wagner? Robert Wagner. Robert Wagner. There you go, Robert yeah. Wagner. Who did I say first, Robert? Conrad? Yeah, no, it wasn't Conrad. You're right. Yeah. Wagner. You're yeah. Wagner. Wagner. You're right. Got gotcha. you. Uh, it was actually a pretty um, pretty good show for its time for being what it was, I guess. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, I now have well, a dog walking across my desk here. Well, uh, he might he might want to watch Scooby Doo and Scrappy Doo well, that, that came out in like '79. So Scrappy Doo was gotta, a pain in the ass, wasn't it? He was, wasn't he, man? I always just wonder why Scooby just didn't haul off and smack the piss out of him, man. Uh, so yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I realize he's easy to poke fun at now after he got hit by a car, but you know. Whatever. <laughs> um, so, Bobby, I did some. I did some investigating. I'd never really done this before. Did you okay. know Dukes of Hazard was based on a movie? No, I did not. No, I did not. Yeah, there was a movie um, called The Moon Runners in the mid seventies. Now, for for people younger than us, or people who aren't into old entertainment shit like we are, a lot of television in the fifties, sixties, and seventies TV shows were based on movies that they didn't buy the rights to. So they just take the concept and kind of go in a different direction with it, which is basically what they did here with the Dukes of Hazard. Was they took this movie called The Moon Runners and went in a different direction, and I found out that there were two pro wrestlers in The Moon Runners. Yeah, Happy Humphrey and oh, uh, Dick Steinberg was that the other guy? Dick Steinberg, yeah, yeah. He played a drunken, annoying bar patron, I think it said. But then the first one you mentioned was Happy Humphrey, and that's the gentleman that um, Harley Race broke in driving around, if I'm correct. And yes. Not, uh, yeah. Memory served me right. Okay. No, so think, he was in it. Yeah, think about that. Harley Race started off as a driver for a guy who was so heavy that they had to bathe him by putting him on a tarp and spraying him off and scrubbing him with an yep. elephant brush. Yep. Uh, that's how that's how the, the one of the greatest wrestlers of all time <laughs> broke in. There you go. Wow. And here the Dukes of Hazard. Now here's the thing: we have a Hazard, Kentucky. It's in Perry County, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the Boss Hog character and the the cousins and stuff that was all alluded to. It could be Georgia. It could be Kentucky. I think some of the sh- the shooting actually took place originally out in. Southwest Georgia, I think Southwest of Atlanta, maybe at the time, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, there was the um, there was the whole thing up here in Hazard, you know, Kentucky. Uh, people misconstrued, like, oh, that's about us, that's about us, because that is an area that had a lot of moonshining back in the day. In fact, oh, yeah. I interviewed a revenuer uh, from back in that time when I was in college. I went to school uh, first couple years at a JUCO and um, uh, was about 30 minutes from Hazard. But um, Hazard is just rough country up there, Jeremy. It's, it's like uh, cold country. It's like Harlan. You've ever seen that show, uh, the Harlan documentary in, in 1976 about Kentucky coal miners and stuff. But uh, real quick about Hazard, I'll tell you, we used to do um, – our basketball team would, would go down there and play every other couple of years or so. They had a pretty good sports program. My senior year, a guy jumped out of the stands at the end of the game, jumped the railing, and punched me right in the face. <laughs> a, guy, a guy had ran into a cheerleader during our warm-ups. Kind of like the Hanson brothers in Slapshot. A guy says, it's him. And the guy goes, yeah. And the guy hauled off and hit me. And on my reaction, I was quick enough that I turned my head and he barely scraped me, man. And and um, uh, 
I don't regret doing this to the day. I just thought I would spit right in the fucking guy's face. <laughs> and I had a coach on my back, and I had he had a uh, who I didn't know at the time with it was their principal on his back, and it's one of these things like unprovoked by me whatsoever, and um, that happened. But then also later on, I got to know some of them guys because they went to the same JUCO as I did the next the next couple years. Uh, never met the guy that jumped the rail, but uh, we went to Smoky Mountain used to do um, Hazard about once every three months, and and we done good houses there uh big wrestling town man not a real big town but just a big wrestling town yeah. uh the building was old school and just um you know crazy atmosphere as, as just described you got a high school kid getting hit you know during a game I mean, it's just that's the, that's the mentality you know mm-hmm. and i don't know how much that's changed uh since then to be honest with you i'm sure it's changed a little bit well it sounds but, like there'd be uh, a, lot of, a lot of jock samson fans there probably <laughs> <laughs> probably the way he talks about them. Yeah. I think you're probably right, but yeah, well, let's move past the Dukes of Hazard and, um, and, uh, TV debuts. Yep. Let's go to some songs from 1979. All right. I so, bet you everyone knows these songs. Yep. So the first one that jumps out, of course, the number one spot here in the United States was my Sharona by the knack. Yeah. And I, I bet you right now, everybody just started humming that song to themselves. <laughs> You know they did. Yeah. You yeah. know they did. Uh, or or they went my Blona, one yeah, or the other. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> and then is and you can see we're kinda of in the death throes of disco here. Yeah. Bad Girls by Donna Summer. Now everybody's oh, definitely yeah. singing that one in their head, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, man. La Freak by Chic. Yeah. And okay, so this is actually this next one here, this is actually kind of the dividing spot for me. I love early Rod Stewart, you know, faces and early solo Rod yeah. Stewart. And it's starting right about here that I don't like Rod Stewart anymore when he did his disco phase. Yeah. Do You Think I'm Sexy was his breakout song. I danced to that a couple of times back in the day. Yeah. Um, You know, but... uh, the uh, real quickly, just a little adult theme here. I, I, I just heard this on uh, uh, maybe Talk of Sopranos or another podcast. Rod Stewart's name comes up, and everyone, there was a story that went around in what the 80s about that he drank the gallon of cum or they pumped the gallon of cum from his stomach. That it was one of urban myths. Do you yeah, remember yeah. that at all? Oh, I do. It's, I one, do. Of, it's one of them crazy things that, you know, you're, you, maybe you're at some junior high in, in California, and I'm at a high school here in Kentucky, just, you know, t- parallel times here or whatever, and some kids in Florida. And then someone's in college in New York or or Canada or somewhere, and all of a sudden there's a story. I, I don't think it was in the National Enquirer, nothing like that. No internet, but everyone seems to know the story in the early '80s of about man, he had a pump. He sucked so many dicks, and you know, and here he is. Uh, he's had so many hot girlfriends through the years. Oh, yeah. what, he's married to Rachel Hunter and supermodels. And I mean, I don't care what the guy's done. He's very, very talented. But I was just curious, how the hell did a story like that, it becomes an urban legend, you know? You know, I, I have wondered about that, especially in the pre-internet days. Now, I made that crack one time yeah. in front of my kids, and, and, and they said, you know, oh, yeah, there are these things called girls, and anytime they hear anything, they repeat it. <laughs> I thought that was funnier than hell. Very impolitic. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when I was in my later teen years, me and my dad were talking about uh, Every Picture Tells a Story, I think was the album we were talking about. Okay. And my okay. dad said that you know he was a big Rod Stewart fan until he heard the rumor that Rod Stewart had sucked so many <laughs> dicks in one day 
he had his stomach pumped. And I said, hey, I, go, I want you to think about this for a minute. And he goes, yeah. I go, there is nothing in semen that would require somebody to get their stomach pumped. If, if it was, if there were, you'd be dying right now just from walking around with a full load in your body, just from making it. <laughs> You know, I mean, you consider there's nothing. It's not like semen's poisonous or anything. It's a little yeah. protein based on white blood cells. <laughs> I said, so even if Rod Stewart sucked 100 dicks in a night, he's not getting his stomach pumped. He might feel bloated and gross, but he's not getting his stomach pumped. <laughs> well, anyway, that's just one of those other myths. I'm just yep. curious, and it's I'm like, sure our listeners are going, man. Like I said, I heard it on another podcast just several weeks back maybe I that question came up for uh, I, I I do think it was talking sopranos he might have had a, a Rod Stewart song in the uh you know they always do the song list on each episode of, of what they're doing mm-hmm. but uh anyway let's finish out we got one more I remember this song here because I was a little love struck 15 year old and uh dated my first little girlfriend you know and loved my life uh and you know we broke up after six weeks but we took the weekend off or whatever hot six weeks though hot six weeks uh, got got to use my tongue you know a little bit little french kiss in there not too much over the top nothing like that uh and we broke up for a weekend you know kind of thing and got back in school on that monday and we we were reunited jeremy (laughs) Uh, (laughs) peaches and herb there we uh we finished out the school year together, you yeah. know. Well, and strange- got us a whole six months in. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> and strangely enough, Peaches and Herb is the name uh, Bobby used to dance under. <laughs> oh, but, man. But, Bobby, more importantly, check this out. In 1979, at number eight in the UK <laughs> top charts, Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell single hit the number eight spot. Meatloaf again? Again. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I got to tell you. If you ask me, go ahead, go ahead. I stayed tell up me. for hours just trying to find something I could reference Meatloaf with here. Well, as you told me off the air, though, for some reason last week, and I I, I followed Twitter due to uh, just, you know, my situations, I've not been straight on my electronics and like I, you know, usually do, but I've got, I'm wondering enough to do my social media. And you can follow me at Bobby Blaze 744 Jeremy at the Geek Cast, or the joint account at the Bell to Bell Blaze. But there was a damn lot of tweets about Meatloaf last week. <laughs> <That really was. laughs> man, I, oh man, uh, the new beer man, shout out to him on my account. Uh, I think he's a fan of both of ours, but yeah, he's he, they, the, the Meatloaf gifts and the memes and the holy shit, man. And yeah. then just Meatloaf, <laughs> you know. Well, it, uh, yeah, and because of that, I, I couldn't let it pass. You know, I was like, there's got to be something I can reference here, you know? Find the tie-in, huh? Yep. So oh, there you go. Man. All right. Okay. So we got our little meatloaf fact in. Uh, Bobby, I noticed that when you did your edit of the notes, something came right to the top. And why don't you yeah. tell us what you put in here? Okay. So I put it here. The concession stand brawl took place. Um, it took place on June the 16th, 1979. And... I just heard this this past week, actually. Um, a young Eddie Gilbert was in a locker room that night. Um, there's an upcoming Dutch Mantel interview, and he's talking about the... Um, it's on... Um, shout out to um, Wrestling Shoot Interviews. 
James over in England does these, and he does the highlights. And and Dutch was doing one about three minute segment there about um, Eddie Gilbert and the influence, you know, of going to ECW. But he was in the uh, the locker room that night, and I think he was. I could be wrong. He was using the name Eddie Gilbert at this time, if I'm not mistaken. But Dutch said he could have been using Tommy Gilbert Jr. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, Tommy Gilbert, you know, was his dad, mm-hmm. and they were on that show together in Tupelo, Mississippi. Now, the thing about the other thing, I saw this when it happened. You know, I got to watch it, the the watch it when it happened. I guess we're on it's live, but we get the tape about an hour later. Right. Uh, the way I think we got it back then, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we got out of the Lexington station, Lexington, Kentucky, and. Um, we all watched. Now, here's what happened. I had to I had to go do it when I went to research my books. And maybe I'll give them a cheap plug here in just a second, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I remembered it was, is it happened. Everything's going crazy. They're having a brawl. Lance Russell's following him out to the parking lot. You know, he goes, you get that damn camera out of here or something like that. You know, we heard cursing on a wrestling show and the guys are bashing her. And this, of course, this is the original one with Lawler and Dundee against the Moondogs. You know, they're bashing mustard bottles on the head, catches on the head. They're, you know, if you're a fan of this show, you know all about the concession stand brawl and hardcore wrestling. Maybe that's where it was born at. And maybe a young Eddie Gilbert was like, this could be money someday. Mm-hmm. Don't know that. But I do know this. I thought I knew this. Going to school on that Monday and everyone of the wrestling fans, that, that the guys that I knew, that that two or three of us watched it together, uh, that was a fact. It was usually three, or, maybe three or four, depending who would say not who that weekend. But um, going to school on that Monday and talking about it. But the date, June the 16th, we would have been out of school, even at the latest in 79, would have been probably the first week of June if we had a couple of snow days, and we didn't have that many. So we would have been out probably late May, early June. So that would have been having my buddies and myself getting up and meeting at the pool or the park to play basketball. And that's where everyone said, oh, my God, did you see what happened? And we probably had watched it within an hour or so. We'd have to wait till Monday, you know. So sometimes your mind... The time frame mix up, but I but I wasn't aware of that till you know was doing some research in my books to make sure I told it the the correct way in my book, not not some faded memory the way I wanted it to be, you know. Yeah. But um, with that said, uh, my first book is called Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost Will Travel. If you'll go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, the professor has been so kind to set that link up. If you use that link, the program does get a little bit of kickback, and I encourage you to use that link. It's tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. My second book is called I Kicked Out on Two, The Education of a Wrestler. And all you have to do is go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook2, and it'll take you right to that. I Kicked Out on Two, The Education of a Wrestler. And Jeremy, I don't know, but do you think, do you think maybe Eddie Gilbert was influenced that night or not? Well, um, I, I would have to think, yeah, but, you know, Eddie Gilbert's real contribution to wrestling, of course, was Missy Hyatt. Ah, yes. Yes. <laughs> but I mean there there you know there have been bloody matches especially there in the south. Yeah. Know? But I yeah. mean just all, the all out and out fucking let's throw everything we've got at this. Yeah, I yeah. I can totally see that being something that stays with you and that you Yeah. Well, you know it's a, it's that thing that happens where once you kind of learn a trick that works and it seems to work every time you use it, it's going to be what you go to when you need it again, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they, of course, they've been several since then, uh, you know, once, once that first. But I think that first one just really, you, you can't top it, you know. It's, no. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just uh, well, so spontaneous, you know. You and, know what, and, and it's, it's also kind of like, like a shoot. thing. You still remember your junior high girlfriend and Pizza's and Herb song that fucking. Yeah, you know, there you, you go. You can't fall in love a second time the same way. You know? it's, it, pro, <laughs> pro wrestling, more chicks, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, we put that at the top just to get us into the groove and into the move of, uh, mood of, rather, uh, some things about um, 1979's professional wrestling. Do you want to start with the. Uh, which segment you want to start with? This, the significant oh, stuff? Yeah, let's start. Or you want to go down to the uh, categories? No, let's go ahead and stay with the significance. Let's just kind of, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll go in the order we have it for now, and then if, you know, we. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we'll okay. Okay, man. Okay, so significant events. I'll give one, and Jeremy can give a couple, and we'll just go from there. January of 1979, Bruiser Brody makes his Japanese debut with All Japan Pro Wrestling. So there you go, man. Yeah, man, I'm sure that Big was... Big Brody. Yeah, that was a huge, huge, huge event over there, I, I'm yep. certain of. Um the North American Championship is created uh, for Ted DiBiase. Uh, that was like their way to try to get DiBiase in. Oh, I'm sorry, Ted DiBiase. Try yeah. to get him in. Um, but a little bit later, they put that on Pat Patterson, and we'll come back to this again. Yeah. And if you look at that in February, it says WWF North American Heavyweight Championship. But in April... The World Wide Wrestling Federation drops the wide in its name to become the World Wrestling Federation. So that's the WWF in 1979. There you go. Yep. Um, let's see here. Pro Wrestling Illustrated releases its debut issue September 1979 to the newsstand. Yeah, that's... the thing about that, it was released in July. It had the date on there of September. There was something about that. Um, it was well, a big, nice issue. I remember that. Yeah, and back then, uh, magazines they they put out the dates a little bit because the, yeah, the way yeah. they did, the way they were distributed took a little time. And then, like Bobby, I'm sure, like some of the smaller towns you lived in, you didn't get the magazines till like a month or three or four weeks later. Uh, you know, if it came out in July, honestly, we probably didn't get it till September. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying it's probably a good four to five week delay. On us getting in seventy nine of that. Yeah, because um, we were we were a couple weeks behind here, and you know we'd yeah. always been like a big railroad town, or and we're only seventy miles from the state capital. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, Hulk Hogan wrestles a heel for the WWF with Fred Blassie as his manager. Uh, Ric Flair defeats Buddy Rogers by submission in a battle of the Nature Boys in Greensboro, North Carolina. Those all took place, significant events of the um, uh, 1979 for the month of, um, that was July. Now we're up to August. Now, I'm sure some of our fans will really be interested in this, Jeremy, and I'll let you carry this one. Start with August there. Okay, Bill Watts purchases the NWA-affiliated Tri-State Wrestling Promotion from Leroy McGurk. Uh, Then he withdraws from the NWA, even though he's going to stay tightly aligned with them. Uh, He changes the name to Mid-South Wrestling. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, I man, because I know yeah. several of our listeners probably know that already. They can remember it, um, or they remember shortly thereafter starting to watch it and realizing that, you know, uh, when it when it took place. Well, you know, uh, that's one of those things that we've got, you know, yeah, we've only got an audience of four or 500 people that are regular, but they are the most educated wrestling crowd anywhere. 
Yes, they are. Yeah. And give them a shout out, man. That's, yeah, that's true. Um, August the 26th, all Japan owner Giant Baba and new Japan owner Anoki, um, Antonio Anoki team up to uh, defeat Abdullah the Butcher, Tiger Jet Singh, and Tokyo Japan. So, this kind of blows me away. For some reason, when I read this, my head just immediately went, there's no way. You don't get Baba and Anoki working together. <laughs> you know, because they were both Ricky Dozen uh, guys. And when Ricky Dozen yeah. was murdered, they went their own ways. And I just, yes. my head made that a permanent thing. Like, those two never even spoke again, you know. Well, um, but there you go. Business. That's you know? it. That's and it. Abdullah and Tiger Jet Singh in Tokyo, Japan. Now, I was in South Africa and uh, 92, and I was over for about a month. I was with Ron Starr. And um, real quickly here, let me just say something. There was a uh, Tiger Jet Singh over there, and Ron had been in um, uh, Calgary with them. So uh, anyway... He said it wasn't the same Tiger Jet Singh that was one that worked in Japan. So apparently it might have been two of those guys using that same gimmick. But, um, but yeah, he was an Indian wrestler, and uh, some of the promoter, one of the promoters, there were three of them we worked for over in South Africa, um, uh, one of them was an Indian promoter. And um, anyway, he's a real bastard. But uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that, uh, the other promoter really, really cool. But... Um, uh, that there was a Tiger Jet Singh, and, and Ron was pretty sure it wasn't the same guy that he worked with in Japan and up in Calgary. That's, so it could have just been a gimmick, you know, that's uh, kind of using that guy's name. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, since you brought up Ron Starr, and I don't think I have this in the notes anywhere. I have something to mind. Go ahead. Uh, Ron Starr was uh, one of the uh, U.S. champions here in the San Francisco Territory in 1979. Yes. In March the 3rd, Ron Starr wins the vacant San Francisco version of the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship by defeating Roddy Piper in San Francisco, California. I, I didn't know you would know that fact, but I knew you'd appreciate it that I found it. Yeah, um, but, um, it's, I only know it because I've been kind of like earmarking certain things in the back of my head as I come across them about this yeah. territory. Yeah. Um, I, I am beginning to find out that like, I never really thought much happened over here. I always kind of thought we were like, because, you know, California wrestling isn't necessarily a big thing. But that's because it's not a big thing now. San Francisco and L.A. were fucking hot in their time. Yeah. I bought Rock Rim's book, uh, Born to be Bad, the Ron Starr story. That's one of the books I've bought from him, and it's very, very good. I finished it a, a while back. Uh, but, but I bought it because, you know, I got Ron uh, was... When I went to Canada for the first time, Leo Burke had just been in a car wreck, and, and Ron was the booker there. And, uh, you know, they kept this the whole, the entire tour. And then my partner, myself, and then the following year, uh, Eddie Watts took over the book, and he brought me back for another 16, 18-week tour. So I got a lot of experience with that. And uh, uh, funny thing about Ron, he had called me in Tampa and um, asked me if I want to go to South Africa. And... It, it, it's a crazy story. I'll get into that another time, so we're not eating all that up. But uh, of all places, I'm he's flying out of Atlanta, and I'm flying out of Tampa to Miami, Miami to London, and you know, huge Heathrow Airport, you know. And I hadn't seen Ron for about six months or what have you. And I walked into a bathroom, 
And I'm going to over to a stall, and I look up, and there's Ron Starr washing his hands like, Ron, Bobby, <laughs> you know, of all places we was going to hook up at, we was going to hook up over in Africa. You know, we thought, yeah. but uh, we, we had actually got connecting flights out of London. So I was like, okay. It's, we also was in a riot over there, I'll tell you at another time. We had to get connecting flights out of South Africa. So, But we'll come back to that. Let's go back to 1979. Yep. Can, uh, can this I tell, is what you was alluding to. Okay, go ahead. Can I, can I tell a quick story here. I, I, Please do. I, I'm sitting in a bar in uh, Vancouver <laughs> one time, right? Uh, right on English Bay, beautiful little place called the Sylvia. And they have a spot in Vancouver. It's called Granville Island. And basically what they did was a concrete company poured concrete until there was an island. Um, on this <laughs> island now is a distillery that makes the most interesting gin I had ever seen. And there's this bunch of guys there wearing like rugby shirts or soccer shirts or something. Yeah, and they were drinking $22 gin and tonics and I asked the guy, I go, what's in there? And he showed me the gin. He goes, and then it's, you know, cucumber, black pepper, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, shit, give me one of those, you know? And that, I'd been watching, these guys were paying 22 bucks a round for these, right? And the guy comes up and he hands me the drink and hands me a bill for six bucks. And I looked at him and he just looks at me and he goes, they're South African, fuck those guys. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Holy shit. And a little bit later, he and I were talking. He goes, you ever notice that South African accent sounds just like an Australian accent, but really fucking racist? And I was like, holy shit, dude. I don't know what happened to this guy, but he ain't letting yeah. go of it. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't let go of it, huh? Yeah. yeah. I was just like, holy cow. But it was a good gin and tonic. I, I will there say There you go. That, yeah. There you go. Well, um, in September of 79, won't you pick up right there? Because you, you hinted to this just a few minutes ago. Yes. September 1979, Pat Patterson as the uh, North American WW, I guess WWF champion at that point. Yep. Um, becomes the first Intercontinental champion. Now, the way I had always heard it, it was a tournament in Rio de Janeiro. Um, you apparently have heard two stories where one was a tournament and the other was just the South, uh, South American champion in a match and unified them. Um, right. Yeah. But he becomes the first intercontinental title, uh, that was a kayfabe blending of the North American and South American WWF titles, whether it was a tournament or a singles match. Yeah. And I think that the, um, I think the tournament was the way most people understood it to be. Yeah. Just to clear that up. So. Yeah, the tournament's definitely what I've always heard, but you know, yeah. the fact that it was supposed to be the unification of two titles, that's always right. been the thing, yeah. Right. So he got that. Uh, Pacific Northwest Wrestling Program, Portland Wrestling, which had aired live on Portland Station WPTV since uh, its return to the station in February of 67, switches to airing on a tape-delayed basis on Saturday nights at 11 p.m., so, uh, whoa, cow dog, chill out. We only got a couple more here to go. Yeah, right. Not that much <laughs> uh, left. Yeah, November, Hulk Hogan makes his debut in a WWF, competing as a heel and managed by Freddie Blassie. A lot of people forgot that, Jeremy. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what happened, you know. I, I've come across uh, it a few times, and every time I see it, I'm like, oh, that is weird. And, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know that, yeah. Yep. And December, starting with the 79 issue, year-end issue, Victory Sports, publisher of Sports Review Wrestling. Now, I do remember that magazine, Sports Review Wrestling, moves um, to its fan-favorite end-of-the-year awards to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, where they remain to this day. 
Now, speaking of those magazines, we had at least, in this little small town, we had at least three uh, magazines or bookstores, you know, you could go to mm-hmm. that, um, that we was talking about earlier. We, we got our magazines. It may be six or seven weeks, you know, by the time we've got one of them, just depending. But we had two directly downtown and one at Midtown. But a lot of times back then, uh, uh, at the, at this time, my brothers and I, I had a I had a paper route, and we had several what several two or three different routes divided. And my main route, well, I'd moved up to the hospital route, where I'd go into the hospital and sell a paper to you know individual rooms and the, the whole the whole facility. Um, and they had a gift shop, and believe it or not, they had wrestling magazines in there. They also sold Playboys in there as well. Um, and sometimes one of those Playboys, if you reached high enough, would make into a paper bag. But that's another story for another day, mm-hmm. just saying. But, uh, yeah, you could get a, we, we would be lucky. Um, and there was a Mansfield um, drugstore on a corner of 22nd, and the hospital is on 22nd Lexington Hospital. Uh, uh, 22nd Winchester had Mansfield between about five different places you could either get a um, uh the wrestling review or you know the insider or whatever you 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 couldn't hardly go to one place and get two or three different magazines you always had to go to several different places and stumble upon one that was out there you oh, know oh yeah that's kind so, of like uh, how we did it was that. here grocery yeah. store pay less drugs you know, it would be like a mix of longs, pay less, different places. One month, one would have one, but not the others. And yeah. And so yeah. I remember some for months, you couldn't even find any sometimes. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing you could find was that damn, uh, we mentioned the Enquirer. It was always right there by the checkout, no matter where you went. Yes. You yeah. That, one, get that, that, da- that thing's always uh, around. World Weekly News. That was, I was going to say, World Weekly News. One of them two right there when you're going out this, you know, checking out. You got to check it out. Bat Child, you know. Yeah, Bat Boy is Bigfoot's love <laughs> slave, stuff like that. There you go. Something like that. And for a quarter. Yep. <laughs> so there you go. Um, all right, man. We're going to change it up just a little bit here. Um, that was some interesting stuff, man. That took place. That's some good research there, Professor. Appreciate that very much, man. Um, and a lot of good memories there. Some of it, like you said, you got to uh, see, and most of it to me, um, I did see a lot of Memphis that year. The uh, had to be July of 79. Um, I went to Baltimore for about two or three weeks before my sophomore year. year. It might have even been August. That was the first time I saw WWF TV on, on, um, when I went to Baltimore to visit my uh, grandmother who was living there at the time. And, uh, I do remember Ted DiBiase being, being there. That's the first time I'd seen him. Um, Andre was there. Uh, Jimmy Valiant was there, uh, who I kn- had known he had been there before, but he had been through Memphis, of course, at that point. So I got to watch maybe, um, uh, two or three Saturdays, and they had it on one of the Baltimore stations. Then also they had a, um, uh, uh, or one of the NBC or, you know, main affiliates, but they also had the independent channel, um, Channel 45. I think Captain Chesapeake was on Channel 45, and they, they would play back a different wrestling, uh, Capital Sports Wrestling. So I probably got to see five or six shows while I was there, you know what I'm saying, yeah. back in the day, just off, of, off, just off four channels. I don't know which one's. I do know the um, the uh, uh, Channel 45 did play some um, wrestling, uh, and there was a DC channel you could get sometimes tune into if the old rabbit ears. You don't give them give my uh, age away here, but that was the first time I did see the uh, WWF on TV when I was about 15. At you know, so but um, 
We're going to change it up here and go to some categories. Why don't you lead us off here, Professor? All right. So, uh, well, we're going to go with... Oh, damn it. Let's drop my mouth. <laughs> um, PWI Wrestler of the Year, Harley Race. That's a nice. kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Tag Team of the Year. This one kind of this one kind of uh, caught me off guard. Ivan Putsky and Tito Santana. Yeah. Now, I remember seeing both of these guys, but not performing, like I was just mentioned, that two or three week stretch there that I stayed up there. Um, through magazines, I just remember seeing Ivan Putsky because the way he was built, that Polish power, yeah. you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, that would have thrown me off too. If you, But I'm sitting there thinking, who who would I think, see, a tag team of the year, first thing that come to my mind is, I don't know exactly the entire year, but I'd automatically go, oh, man, that's got to be uh, Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee, okay, you know, yeah, because yeah. they were obviously together for the concession stand fight, but but also I don't know if they feuded each other that year or not, but they, they tagged some quite, you know, for me, that Bill, because that's when it was together. Yeah. So that's just off the top of my head. I wouldn't be sitting here going, uh, you know, and I'll, the other thing is I, I probably uh, – if we look through here and found some of the tag teams from the NWA, I, I would only only know them through the magazines at that point too. I think you know. Oh sure, yeah. So um, yeah, yeah I just it caught me off guard because I've never you know I've never seen them as a tag team, but also they don't on paper they don't sound like a tag team. Right, right, and that would have just probably been honestly that's probably just for a uh, a short period. What you think? Yeah, I would. Think I don't so. know. How, I mean, it's two different styles, really. Putsky and Santino. It's just. Uh, uh, I think they're a little bit two different styles, man. And I, I had a, um, I did a, a match with uh, Tito um, back in the day. He was real easy to work with, very professional, real easy to work with. He was El Matador at the time. I gotta hate and, he did uh, that shit. Oh, I, I wrestled. Well, you're gonna hate this too. I wrestled him one night in a Texas tornado the next night, oh, or vice versa. I just remember being. Uh, I went to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And um, uh, I think Toledo, Ohio, they had me do a loop up there and um, wrestled Kerry one night. And I think I wrestled him the first night. I'm not sure. But I uh, got to wrestle uh, Tito, and it was real easy, real fun little match. Um, I actually got my picture taken with, um, I don't know by who, but it's in one of those encyclopedias of, of WWF, a uh, big colored magazine. And they... Uh, you know, where they showcase everyone from that year. And uh, I gave it to one of my sons that's here somewhere. Um, it's big. There's a big uh, picture of Tito, and he's actually wrestling me. Oh. So, uh, of course, it don't have my don't have my name in the credits or nothing, but I know who it is. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Just, so, yeah, I don't see it as a tag team much, though. Yeah, it, just, so. it, it was just one that kind of caught me off guard. Um, yeah. PWI Match of the Year, Harley versus Dusty. Uh, we didn't I, find that. I didn't. I've not seen that match. I apparently need to look oh. for it. Yes, um, I do too. Once, once you read that just now, like we yeah. need to find that. Um, we need to find that. Most popular wrestler of the year. This would be a shock to no one, I am sure. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, <laughs> right? Um, most hated wrestler of the year. I this one was a little shocking to me. Greg Valentine. Now, who would you have said? Um, I oh, I was. I would have put Harley Race in there probably. Um, I let me see seventy nine. Let's um, someone show some ignorance here because I don't know who would have been heel. Was Flair a heel at this point? Well, see, I would have went to Flair on that just off yeah. the top of my head. So I would have went 
uh, flair. And now that I'm thinking, we did get just the magazines as far as seeing some of these guys, the Steamboats, the Flares, uh, probably the cover of the magazine with, with uh, Dusty and Harley on it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, yeah, like uh, I guess maybe in ignorance, like I said, I'd just go to Flair. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Greg the Hammer Valentine. So, so I always forget, because, like, I know Greg Valentine more from his, like, personally from his WWF era. Yeah. Um, Brutus Beefcake's tag team partner. Yeah. I forget about Greg Valentine, Ric Flair's tag team partner, Major yeah. Heel Greg Valentine. Dog well, Collar Mash. Yeah, Dog okay. Collar Mash Greg Valentine, you know. Yeah, and that's 83, but let me ask yeah. you this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure, but here it is. Most hated wrestler of the year, we're talking 79, had, was that the year or was it maybe your after he broke Wahoo's leg? Oh, just kind of what year was you, that? That's why I'm just asking you because I'm not really sure. I haven't looked it up. I just was like, what did he do? So, because uh, I, I I had something else I looked up and couldn't find any information on. But um, just most hated. Let's stay up that for a second. Do you do you, what year did he break Wahoo's leg? Would it have been a little bit earlier than that. Um, and who would he have been feuding with? Was he feuding with uh, uh, a baby face uh, Ricky Steamboat at that time? You know. Um, so just just something to throw out there yeah. and give the listeners something to chew on for a little bit. Um, Gosh. Anyway, I, yeah, I'm gonna have I'll have you, to look it up, but I'll do yeah, it after. The we'll show. look it up and, yeah. and and listen, wrestling fans, get a hold of us. Get a hold of me on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. Get a hold of Professor at the Geekish Cast. You can get it on Twitter or Facebook at Bell to Bell Blaze. If you have your information about that or a question about it, send it out there. Me, I'll be more interactive on Twitter, uh, but but I'd love to hear some of the answers. Um, I'm going to move on to this next one, and that is uh, I just spoke to this person a couple weeks ago via phone. He was up in this area working uh, on a couple shows. I hadn't seen him for a while. It's been a good three years probably since I've seen him, but the PWI most improved wrestler of the year was Tommy Rich. Now I can see that man. Wildfire. Yeah. Um, September you know, 7th, being... 1977. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Bobby, it was September 7th, you, 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 1977 when Greg Valentine broke water. Okay, so it's a couple years later. He's still heel and he's... i just curious about that. I knew they're probably just taking a shot in the dark, but hey... Um, anyway, Greg Valentine's a heel, and he was the most hated wrestler of the year, so he was still carrying on his vicious ways at that point. Yep. Uh, Tommy Rich, again, could see him being the most improved wrestler, um, getting over big time. He was he was over. Like that, that WTBS, that Superstation, man, what that thing hit, you said it before, is just that, uh, you know, just rock star, um, Baby face, every girl wanted him, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just that's just Tommy, man. Um, and of course, he got to be NWA champion there for, as he always said, Harley's good people, you know. When yep. that, uh, that's what he always told me. Now, this one here, Jeremy, this is the one I try to look up as well, okay. Um, and I, I just took a get took a gander at the Greg Valentine thing. Most improved, re- no, most, sorry, most inspirational wrestler of the year. We had this come up and we had Blackjack Mulligan in one of our years we've done in the past. Here it is, 79, and the most inspirational is Chief J. Strongbow. Yep. What the hell did he do to be so inspirational that year? Uh, he proved that even a poor kid from Sicily could grow up to be a brave war chief in the Americas. <laughs> is that what it was? Yes. Well, I didn't know if it's because he battled uh, Ernie Ladd or is because when I saw him at the Huntington Civic Center, 
center and we were playing basketball in about a seven foot goal. <laughs> No. <laughs> and you could jump up and dunk it. He walked by and tried to run up out of ball That's court. So funny. <laughs> and broke it. He didn't break it, but he, he busted his nose wide open. It didn't have a net. It was on a forklift. We were in the back, and um, uh, Tex done it, done it up on the YouTube channel. You can go over there and find that at uh, tinyurl.com slash video. But, uh, yeah, so we had it on a forklift. Some guys that worked up there did. I guess, the, you know, work the arena or whatever just to do something during the day or break time. And uh, someone had lowered the thing to a uh, basketball goal to about seven foot, just enough that when I was 15, 16 years old, I could dunk in one, you know. Yeah. And cause I could dunk on a regular by then, just so you know. Um, and it's not bragging if you've done it, man, you know. That's right. But, uh, yeah, John, Strongbow comes by. And we had already figured out, with no net, that ball is coming through that damn hoop quick. And uh, here's your inspiration, Jay, yep. <laughs> Chief. Um, so he, he comes by, was friendly about it, and just had his match. And he he gives the indication, like, you know, toss me the ball. Um, I don't know if he's trying to famous in his uh, Italian accent or his fucking Indian accent, but... Nonetheless, we toss him the ball, and he takes a couple of steps, <laughs> jumps up, slams the thing through. Now, you only had to jump about probably six or eight inches. It wasn't like you had to really jump high. You know, if you're a six-foot man, uh, or in my case, I was about 5'11 at the time probably, uh, you just reach up. You just had to jump a little bit to dunk it in. It went straight through, no net, come right through, hit him in the nose. Blood just went everywhere. He just turned and walked away like, man... I just shit the bed in front of you kids, you know. But, yeah, he busted his nose wide open, man. Blood just – and, of course, we just stood there. We didn't laugh or anything. We was too damn scared to. Um, And we waited to – you know, no one's looking. Then we laughed, of course. But – because we we were kind of off to the side, uh, but yeah, we was in the back at a at a at a show there. But uh, I don't know what he done for inspiration, but that was inspirational to 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 whatever you well, know. He he proved that that just like Iron Eyes Cody, a Sicilian could grow yep. up to be a brave yep. Native American. Yeah, those those guys pissed me too. off so much. I, I can't even yeah. fucking tell you. You know, my, my great-grandmother yeah. grew up in a white orphanage in the Indian territories and passed herself off as non-Indian her entire fucking life. Because of having her mouth scrubbed with a toilet brush and shit like that. And these fucking assholes from Italy come over and fucking pretend to be Native Americans and get a free ride on it. It just pisses me off, Bobby. Sorry. That Man, was, that, that hit take a, a chill pill. Yeah, it hit a sore spot with me. I got um, you. Hold on. We all got a couple more to go here, man. <laughs> I wish you, you know, uh, Two surprising names. If you'd asked me, I wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten these names, just so you know what we're coming up on. Um, Rookie of the you year. Would ask me, Rookie, if you'd asked me, rookie year in '79, uh, I don't. I shoot. I don't. I. I have no idea who I'd even guess. Um, would have probably been one off Memphis TV, you know, like maybe a, a Coco Beware or something, you know what I'm saying? But but he, I, I would not have guessed who it was. Um, and if I was thinking NWA or WWF at the time, which I wasn't, I wouldn't have had a guess. But you tell me who it was, because I wouldn't be too far off, I don't think. It was Sweet Brown Sugar. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would have, you know, I would have probably said, um, and, and I know the year here, just so you know, I know what we're talking about, but I probably would have said Coco or, or actually Bobby well, Eaton, one of those two, <laughs> even though both of them had been wrestling before 79. I would have said one of them two, maybe just 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 if you hadn't put it out there for me, you know. Well, well here's here's the thing, Bobby. Skip Young was the sweet brown sugar we're talking about, but very uh-huh. very very briefly, Coco Ware wrestled as Sweet Brown Sugar. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Put it together for me. Thank mm-hmm. you. Okay. It was also a great Rolling Stones song, you know, Brown Sugar. Yes. Great Rolling Stones song. And from what I hear, they've pulled that. And um, that's a fucking great song, man. Yeah, it's kind of impolitic these days, I guess, though. Yeah. No, I know. I know. Yeah. I know. I understand. I get it, but I'm like, hey. I can still listen to it if I want to. Oh, yeah. I still have the albums, you know. Yeah, so um, just saying. Okay, I would not have gotten this one. Manager of the Year, would you have? Um... I probably my my second or third guess, yeah, I probably okay. would have gotten it, but only yeah. because real recently I heard Jim Cornette on one of the short versions they do on YouTube of a show where he talked uh, about why Arnold Scotland was used as a manager for baby faces and whatnot so much in the late seventies and that early early eighties period, and it was because you could give Arnold Scotland a, a briefcase with thirty five grand cash in it. Not worry about him fucking you, and if anybody tried to steal it from him, he'd fold them in half and stuff their own head up their ass. Yeah. And that yeah. was, when, when I, because I, I didn't know Arnold Scullin was that much of a badass until hearing Jim Cornette talk. Right. About yeah, him. same here. Same here. I just, um, but yeah, there you go. He's the manager of the year in 1979, man. And I always wondered that, too, as well, you know, why he was with Backlund for all those years and stuff, you know, and I guess um, guess now we know. Well, know. It was, yeah, basically, if anybody tried to fuck Backlund, uh, Scullin could get in the ring and fuck him up. Was yeah, yeah. kind of like Harley went to uh, Japan with um, uh, Ric Flair the first time, Fred, yeah. first week he went over there, like, you know, hey, if Harley says it, you fucking do it, you yeah, know, if, don't, if don't fuck around. Yeah, if there's any fucking around, you're going to find Harley's foot up your ass. Exactly. Um, so, you know, always always good to have a good policeman like that. Yeah. You know, well, watching was, your back, watching your title, and, yeah. and especially, like you said, they're watching a the, uh, briefcase full of money as well. Yeah. You know. Well, because I guess Arnold uh, Arnold ran one of the gates or something, one of the towns. Yeah. Or, well, when I did... Um, when I did the TVs, that's who paid me, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he paid. They, they paid cash back then per night. And um, the, the first couple nights, um, that's who paid me um, way back when, around 90 or so. Um, 91, 91-ish, something like that. And I went to Huntington, uh, West Virginia. Like I said, it was uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Toledo, Ohio. Then I went to Florida and I think someone else down there paid me. I can't remember who it was, but it wasn't Arnold uh, Scullin then. I do know that. Yeah. It was someone else. Uh, it was just a few months in between there, but but there was two or three of them doing payouts, and um, um, I can't remember who it was. Hell, it might have been J.J. in Florida at that time. I'm not sure who paid me. I, I just know it wasn't Arnold Scullin then. Oh, that would be in his in his neck of the woods, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure when I went to – I did Fort Myers I did Fort Myers and Daytona Beach, and um, I want to say – I want to say J.J. paid that. There was like two or three guys sitting there doing payouts, and I think that was my contact that, on that little loop I'd done. Um, just just off the top of my head, I, I really think about it, but I don't think that hard. I'm pretty sure it's who it was. So let's move on to some notable births and deaths and retirements of that year. Um, we just picked out a few of these if you want to go down through here. Um, I, we come up with, you know, 1979, these guys and girls would all be about 42 now. Mm-hmm. Um, some are no longer with us, and we won't try to dwell too much on some of those. But um, I'll throw out the first one, man. Uh, Samoa Joe was born um in 1979. Yes, Samoa Joe, a guy who 
always seems to be just on the edge of getting his due as a pro wrestler, and then something happens. <laughs> you know? Something happens, man. Yeah. yeah, something happens. Yeah, uh, but so so talented too, man. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that stands out to me about Samoa Joe is, of course, that MMA style match he did with Kurt Angle. Yes, and, they did the headbutts. Yeah, and and it stands out to me because if you watch it, and then you go back and you watch you and um, oh. Dan Severn. Yeah. It's very, you can see a kind of a through line and style and everything and what they were trying to adapt. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Good comparison. Yep. Um, I'm going to go on to this, my second one here. And this guy's yep. here primarily because of who his dad is, but also, you know, what the hell? That's his birth year, and his first name is Ray, yep. which makes him the most Southern person on our version of this list. <laughs> and that's going to be Ray Gordy, uh, Bam Bam's yep. kid. And uh, you yep. know, he, had a, he had a career there for a while, did okay. But, uh, of course, anytime that Ray or Miranda get mentioned, I, I try to bring them in. Um, yep, there you go. Then we got Joe Henning, who they never yep. let him wrestle under his actual name. They always gave him stupid-ass names. and uh, Never got that. Never got that. But... You know I what it is? There, it's so. 100%. It goes back to what I read a couple weeks ago. It's, the, it's licensing. If they own okay. the name, if they own the name, then they can license whatever they want and your ass out. It's, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And how about some legs? Oh, it's the shit. Stacy Keebler, the finest thing yeah. walking around on two legs. Yeah, she was in uh, WCW there for a while when I was there, and oh, yeah. uh, she had been a Baltimore Ravens cheerleader at one point, and uh, she uh, she's very beautiful lady, man, very beautiful, and uh, she used to do those ring entrances, and I, I never saw them up close and personal or nothing like that, but just the way she done them on TV, and like, wow, that's a very beautiful lady right there. Yeah, man. well, you can't very you sexy, can't look direct, you can't look directly at her from too close up. You will go blind. Yeah, probably, yeah, probably. Uh, making her debut that year, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. But I don't think it was a Hacksaw yet, but it was Big Jim Duggan made his debut. Mm -hmm. um, the death that year was, uh, I heard a lot about this guy, but there's probably uh, not a lot. To, I don't know. He uh, Chris uh, Taylor was only 29 when he passed away. Um didn't he break in with Flair and them at that time, somewhere around that time frame? Um, yeah, just kind of going loose. He was an my, Olympian, right? I believe so, Bobby, but yeah, I'm going okay. off real loose memories here. Yeah, me too. Bigger guy, I think. Um, but anyway, nonetheless, we got a point. We're going to retirements here at uh, Spyro's uh, Aaron. And then Boris Malenko, he wrestled 1955 to 1979. And as I looked at this list, and then as I generally do, if I have time, I'll take a quick break and go for a ride or something or pick up my lunch or whatever I'm going to do prior to our recording. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure that Malenko, uh, so he retired in 79. I think he would be leaving the um, Southeastern Territory Um Maybe ICW, actually. Uh, but anyway, I know in Florida, and I don't know the exact year because I was trying to think this out, I think he had some matches on and off for the next several years because by the time I was there, I'm wanting to say um, he had a match all the way up until 1985. I could be wrong on that, but I'm, I'm thinking he may have had one around that time period, uh, or, or a few. Uh, there's some old... Um, uh, some old matches on TV, on YouTube, that are hard to find, but someone's got a few up there from the Universal Wrestling Federation. Um, 
that he ran there in Florida, and I, I think he'd done some. I know he'd done some managing. Of course, he had a school going on then, mm. but I think I think someone told me, uh, I think it was Joe. I know Joe and Dean and Boris, and then it was uh, a Jumbo Beretta. Um, I want to say Big V Vern Henderson. I think it was Jumbo and Big V. Uh, this is just going off of some things I heard at the camp there. I think they had one of his last matches. Um, just, you know, when he's about 50, maybe, something like that. That's just, just again, that's just off. Just uh, I have to really research some more, think some more, go back and see some of my writings or something. But I do know he rests a little bit more on and off uh, after 79, you know, full retirement, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyway, that was the year in 1979, and I think we had some really interesting facts and notes and uh I hope the fans enjoyed it as much as we did uh, researching it because it, it took me back, you know, talking about the movies and the TV shows and the music and, of course, the wrestling, man, just uh, uh, the stuff we've talked about that we haven't went into detail before, you know, like you said about the, like, Mid-South and also that WWF name change took place and the, the Intercontinental uh, title, you know, uh, uh, came about and just, uh, and it really got us on that categories this time. They, they, other Harley and Dusty on there, uh, they, they threw some, you know, maybe Tommy, I don't know, just saying, but other Harley and Dusty been on that list. The rest of them would have probably, you know, thrown us off a little bit, man, you know, um, just on our guesses that we said. Yeah, so. no, it's, I was caught a little off now. I mean, obviously, like you said, not racing roads, but. Yeah. You know, everybody yeah. else would, would have been, would have taken a couple guesses on my part to even get to them, you know? Right, yeah. right, right. So, um, anyway, anything else you want to throw out there real quick? Uh, I found a really cool Roku channel called Wrestling, which basically mm-hmm. acts like MTV used to with music videos. It does that with wrestling matches. You turn it on and you just randomly get a wrestling match. Oh, cool. Yeah, like cool. I, I, I started it up the other day. I got Macho Man versus George the Animal Steel. Okay. Yeah. So kind of, okay. kind of cool. Oh, you know what? Kinda I started cool. it up last night. I got Bruno San Martino versus the Honky Tonk Man for the Intercontinental Title. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. That's what um, I got, man. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say this. I we've talked. I don't know that next week will be our Christmas uh, edition or not. Um, we're, are we going to try to shoot for two more of these bad boys? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to talk off air about that. Mm-hmm. But I do hope everyone enjoyed the. Uh, apologize again for last week's segment. That was on me. Um, I'm sure everyone's fucking over it by now. So get over it if you haven't. <laughs> you were back this week, by God. And we still haven't missed. And hopefully we're not going to miss again. Uh, that we'll do another one next week. And um, was that going to be our Christmas one, Jeremy? I cannot remember. Um... That'll be December 19th. When we record, it'll come out on 21st. I guess we better make next week our christmas yeah it's got to it's got to be our christmas special yeah so tune in next week wrestling fans where we just now decided we're gonna record next sunday on the 19th for our christmas special it'll come out on december 21st how's that yeah you you saw it happen here folks this is that's right operating live right here right now (laughs) all right no man thanks again i'm glad to be back uh if you missed last week Thanks for tuning back in this week. If you're a new listener, we hope you enjoyed it. And I do think we had a really good podcast involving the year 1979 this year. A lot of good information out there. Um, See you at the matches, wrestling fans. That's it. All right, everybody. Ford Latex Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and 
Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B Bobby Blaze, who was born a black, poor black child in Mississippi. <laughs> bye bye, everybody. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs>